Hello, everyone. Welcome to Word with Dave Clay. Now, I am not an expert at many things. One of those things I will claim proficiency in with is psychological counseling. But even in psychological counseling, some people question whether or not they're going to find anything of any great value by coming in and speaking to me, and particularly not knowing me. And many times individuals will call up in advance and want to talk to me to find out if they're going to learn anything from me. And I'm okay with the knowledge or at least the understanding of that knowledge being useful and maybe making a decision and I don't deny people entirely access to me beforehand but I don't know in some ways that kind of is really not what it's about what it's about is that you need to come in and experience it and you'll find out for yourself and I could tell you I'm credible and hopefully you can believe me and I can flash all my credentials to back that up But one of those things that I think people really want to know is not necessarily the credential, but if I am the type of person (laughs) that they're going to, in maybe some sort of a conversational dimension, relational sort of dimension, is going to be worth their while talking to. (laughs) And, And of course, how do you really convey that? I mean, even if I get on the phone with everybody before they come in, and again, that's not very efficient. I'm actually spending time with other people in sessions, so I don't really have a lot of that kind of time, and then it kind of defeats the whole idea of it's a business, and I know it should be more than just a business, but it is a business, and that's what makes it professional. Insights, Psychology Today, March, April of 2023. The Unexpected Upside of Talking to Strangers by Devon Fry. Engaging in conversation with unknown others could teach you more than you expect. Learning novel information is, for many people, one of life's great joys in conversing with others. Especially those we don't know well is among the most effective ways to gain new knowledge in daily life. But a common misunderstanding could be stopping us from learning from the people around us, new research warns, unless we take steps to overcome it. Study participants engaged in brief conversations with people they hadn't previously met, predicting beforehand how much they and their conversation partners would learn. Conversations with strangers were found to be surprisingly informative in that participants consistently underestimated how much they would learn from the exchanges. Their miscalculation didn't appear to come from a belief that strangers don't have much knowledge to share. Indeed, participants generally predicted that they would learn more from their conversation partner than vice versa. Nor did it stem from a lack of motivation. Even participants who were explicitly instructed to try to learn as much as possible still exceeded their expectations, their own expectations. Instead, the miscalibration appeared to be due to the inherent uncertainty of casual conversation with strangers. Because they tend to be open-ended, notes study author Stav Atir, an assistant professor at the Wisconsin School of Business, it's hard for us to imagine just how they'll unfold. A stranger's knowledge base is similarly opaque. In the abstract, we're aware that strangers have valuable knowledge. 
a tear says. But what exactly that is or the likelihood of it coming up organically is uncertain. When people don't know what they will learn, they underestimate how much they will learn. Past research has found that we also underestimate how much we'll enjoy a conversation and how much talking to strangers can boost feelings of connectedness. This may be because we have relatively little experience to draw on, Atir speculates. When was the last time you struck up a conversation with someone you didn't know? Such miscalibrating beliefs can be somewhat sticky, she says, but can be overwhelmed with sufficient experience. The solution then is simple. Practice, practice, practice. The more you talk to others, the more you'll eventually calibrate your beliefs about the benefits of conversation, Atir says. Next time you're on a bus or in line at the pharmacy, it may be tempting to keep to yourself, but go forth and talk to people, she advises. You just might learn something. Devon Fry. Under the Insights section of Psychology Today, March, April of 2023, the unexpected upside of talking to strangers, engaging in conversation with unknown others, could teach you more than you expect. (laughs) And by the way, going to see your psychological counselor could do the same thing. And though I know this is not identical, exactly the same scenarios, what the article is addressing, and then coming to see someone such as myself. But I think the same inherent, inherent, inherent prejudice, if I could call it that, is there. And maybe a bit, again, of apprehension. (laughs) You might learn something that you didn't know. But I think that's why people want to talk to me. Some, not all, but some, before we even get into counseling session. Because they want to either prove or disprove (laughs) their bias. Which probably if they're asking for that, they just want to know if it can be conversational. They want to know if there is implicitly then in that relationship dynamic that will eventually show itself. Whether or not it's going to be worth their time and energy. And I should say this too, probably most folks that come to see me, part of their bias is by the time they make the decision to come to see someone like me, they're not going to get better. They've heard it all. They've talked to as many as they felt confident to talk to. Nobody really listens. Nobody really understands, not only in thought terms, but emotion terms. Nobody really connects with them in relational sort of ways. And none of it really then translates to anything better. It's just more of the same. You'd have better success, literally, according to the article, talking to a stranger. But that may be one of my great advantages is I'm a stranger. And though you may be implicitly, inherently sort of doubtful, somewhat fatalistic, cynical, skeptical that anything good's going to come out of this, you know, maybe it could. <laughs> I certainly think it does. Something good always comes out of it. But even if it's just somebody different, I do have some knowledge base. I do have some credential, which should 
maybe encourage you a bit more to take the chance. But sometimes the best stuff I say is when you don't know me. It's not any different than when you do know me. It's just by the time you get to know me, you've already moved on. Anything that might be impacting or empowerful or impactful in terms of something new, it's worn off by then. Uh, I've made the statement. I've made the comment. Oh, okay. And then, unfortunately, in that kind of negative, if you've got this failure identity, if you're already expecting nothing good, nothing's going to change, it's always going to be the same, I'm never going to really experience anything different, that is not only from other people, strangers, are going to always end up being the same, but I suppose you have to say, or have to speak to at least the flip side of that, you're already believing or disbelieving, believing you're not going to change, disbelieving that you could change, you're in a rut, My greatest impact is to point out, you're in a rut. Get out of the rut. And I can do that in a way that you're not really so guarded. You don't know me. I'm unfamiliar. You don't know how I'm going to approach it. You're still trying to figure out how I'm going to attack the situation. Not you. But the, maybe the disbelief, the distorted thinking, the negative thinking. Maybe, again, you're just doing the same old stuff over and over again. And I'm going to offer you genuinely something you've never heard of before. But once you get to that point, you know me and there's familiarity, you start to discount me. And minimize that, if only because I suppose... Maybe you can only take in so much new stuff at any one time. Uh, Maybe there's only a a very finite, limited window of new where you really get your greatest traction. You're going to have your impact. It's going to be on the front end. We'll settle into then the same kind of tendency to, to prejudice or bias. Maybe there's an adaptive component to that. Maybe that's what keeps relationships. It's reciprocity. I know what you're going to do. You know what I'm going to do. We're going to agree upon it, but let's not get too far out of line or out of the lines. Let's stay within the boundaries, the definitions. Let's not get too creative. I don't know. Maybe this is going to be something that really isn't going to turn out well. I think the article once again sort of speaks to that. Counseling relationship is no different, but at the same time, Isn't that what you need? It's a little bit of creativity. A new perspective. You do understand my sentiments, my emotions. You have empathy. You you can relate on that level. Uh, It's been a while since I've had anybody that's really seen it that way or helped me to see it or experience it emotionally in in those kind of terms, emotionally. But then there's also the thoughts I mentioned earlier, the perspective. Oh, you can see it even if it's objectively or as it's objectively versus the bias, which is subjective. Prejudice again. You're seeing it objectively from a different perspective. But it does. All of a sudden, this new perspective, it resonates. It adds some sort of validation to what I've gone through, how I'm conceiving of it. That's good. (laughs) And that may be something that, again, you're really not expecting. And it is kind of creative. But in the same sort of a way, though, you do take a risk if I don't or if I see it in a way that you're not ready to see it. 
or I should point out a feeling that you're not really ready to admit to, there may be some dissonance there. And who knows? You may not want to go there just yet and choose not to or come up with reasons not to come back. And I suppose what I'm really trying to capture is some people do that a priority even getting there. They already know what that feels like and they don't want to do it. Well, I know what you're going to do. You're really going to connect with me. We're really going to have a relationship. It's like going to church and hearing a good sermon. (laughs) The pastor always makes it relatable on the front end. Or it doesn't have to be a church. It could be anything. They always, uh, uh, some sort of self-enhancement, some sort of... uh, uh, developmental sort of thing where you go and you listen to an inspirational speaker uh, who's trying to somehow grow, help you to do some self-growth. And they present something and it's all relatable and then you say, oh yeah, you got me. And you say, yeah, I got it. We're all connected here. Yes, you understand. And then all of a sudden they start to take you down a different path because that's what you wanted. When it came to going to those self-help sort of seminars, But you're really not sure you're ready yet. And then you feel a bit kind of caught off guard. But it's okay. Because that's what you came for. But a lot of people in an a priori sort of way, they already know what that's like. And they don't want to go down that road because they are themselves afraid of the demands that they're not going to do it, be able to do it, that there's a bit of implicit failure already captured in all these bad experiences that they've had, or at least as they might call them bad experiences they've had. It doesn't really get better. It just goes along with the fatalism, the skepticism, the cynicism. But if you do that a priori, you're never going to get any help. Go to a hardware store and look at all the stuff that's available And all of a sudden, you'll realize, I didn't know they had things for this. I didn't know that they had a tool for this. I've been doing it with this, this way. And look, this can help me do it a lot quicker, a lot better, a lot faster. Just don't ask the people who work at Hardware stores, unless you're sure, what they recommend. Because a lot of them don't know. They're just there as clerks. But I suppose they want to help. They're going to offer you what they do know. But my experience tells me in the end, maybe a priori, it's wise not to go there. But what do you got against your psychological counselor? If they're, again, licensed and credentialed, if they're vetted, if they've established by not only educational sort of accomplishments, certifications, experiences, uh, they're still in business after a number of years. And maybe, I think, too, the best source of referrals for me have always come from people I've helped. You know, your family and friends. Oh, you should go talk to this person. He helped me. They helped me. <laughs> Take it on a personal testimony basis. Uh, then when you get there, if you should get past all of the a priori stuff, to get there, you're going to probably have a good outcome. Now, it still doesn't mean that we are not going to negotiate that a bit. It still doesn't mean that it's not going to feel like you're talking to a stranger. And, and then there is even as much that impact, as I called it a moment ago, of that new information objective, that clean read, R-E-A-D, of who you are. 
But if you decide, okay, well, it's worth staying, then we kind of move into relationship-wise a phase of not only am I then moving out of the category of being a stranger, but we're starting to form a bit of an alliance and a bit of comfort that, oh, well, this isn't as bad as I thought it might be, or this new information is incredibly valuable, and now the insight is there, the awareness. And maybe... I'm hoping as the relationship moves from stranger to a more familiar, not familial, but a familiar friendship sort of dimension, I think it's okay to be a friend if that's the way we're defining it, then we can work together. And if we keep it there or allow it to stay there without moving to too much familiarity, once again, or we don't want it to be so familial, or at least put in that category, that you lose that ability of, of seeing it in those objective terms. <laughs> you get to more what you had before you got there. Then the utility of that sort of has expired. Now, my job is to keep it within that sweet spot. Friend, yes, according to those definitions, we're not going to golf together. We're not going to have dinner together. We're not going to text. We're not going to go to either those uh, self-help seminars or church together. Uh, we're probably not, we we'll may speak on the sidewalk if we pass or we see each other in the hardware store. <laughs> we can say hi. But you don't want me to become so familiar that we fall into that trap of the familiarity. I still kind of in some ways want to retain, and that's what the professional is all about. It's, there's a dimension that I need to maintain objectivity. And if I'm too familiar, if we're too close, then that goes out the window. That's human nature. That's okay. <laughs> I can show you some love, but I can't love you. And I can't be in love with you in that same sort of way your family is or your significant others are because it takes away. People, a lot of people get disappointed with that because, oh, this is great. We've got this great relationship. Let's just consummate it by being BFFs. And again, within the counseling context, the psychological counseling context, that's okay if you define it the way I've tried to define it on the podcast today. But we're really not BFFs because I'm not good for you then at that point, or I'm not as good. I may have proven my, my unconditional positive regard for you, my concern for you. But I have to be able to retain at least the ability to be straight up like a stranger would without too much worrying about what I'm going to say or not say, out of so much familiarity that I know where your, your sensitive spots are. And if I poke there, then you're probably going to get upset, and, you know, or vice versa if I allow those kind of that level of intimacy, so to speak, relationship-wise only, socially, to happen then I might be prone to some of that same sort of response. I don't want that. You don't want that. It's not good. (laughs) And then I lose not only my own effectiveness, but it compromises the entire purpose of why you're there. If you could have gotten that, you wouldn't come see me for somebody else. If your relationships have been able to be turned that way or you were able to do that with those that were most significant, you probably wouldn't come see me. And that's the professional dimension. It has to be that. 
or it runs the risk of compromise. And that's why it's such, of a, of such the highest of ethical considerations and why we are cautious. It's not cautious. We are definitive to the point of making sure with caution, prevention, that it doesn't go there. Because then I'm no better, <laughs> no greater use. And I might be more of a liability because all of a sudden you've started to have some concerns about my feelings. Don't. That's not good. That's not what it's about. So in that sort of a way, I want to continue to be a bit of a stranger. It can be friendly. But I don't want to be so familiar that I lose the perspective, that objectivity, that really is probably the make it or break it. Education, credential aside, and there's a lot of individuals who are well-educated, well-credentialed, have a lot of knowledge, but are horrible at relationships. And then there are some that are a little better at relationships, but with that Insight may be lacking. They may not be able to see themselves as within the psychological counselor, not just the patient, the psychological counselor. And they're not as good. But if you can find that individual who certainly has the knowledge, the credential, and can maintain objectivity and not fall into the trap of the subjective, the bias that comes with the too familial and too familiar, invert those, too familiar and familial especially, then that's what we want. And we want to keep it there. And that's what produces the best gain for you. It's not about me. It should never be about me. But when it gets into that subjective, and particularly if you're with somebody who doesn't know really well where the line is, or somehow that line has been crossed, it's not good. It never turns out well if they're going to remain the psychological counselor. And it's even questionable whether or not it's good because you didn't approach it in some sort of equal term, at least defining it. No, this is professional. We need to keep it professional. Or, oh, well, this is personal. And you happen to be a psychologist, a psychological counselor, a social worker. Uh, we're not going to let that get into our friendship, our relationship at that level. Uh, that needs to be real clear on the front end. But I think we're this notion of unexpected upside of talking to strangers, at least in terms of the podcast, regards to the podcast today, my first thought was, yeah, I'm that stranger. I could be a friend, but I want to retain that. And... I'm pretty sure, if even with strangers, if the conversation is good enough and it doesn't have this dimension of professionalism or the need for maintaining that objectivity, these might be the individuals, once you start talking to them, they're not going to stay strangers. They're going to move into more the familiar and they may become a BFF. <laughs> Isn't that odd? Now, you might... We'll go back to the hardware store for whatever reason. End up at the hardware store meeting one of your best friends. <laughs> and then you go out on Friday nights and shoot pool or darts or play ball or whatever you do. Fish. Those are all, unfortunately, somewhat 
bias in terms of identity. But you'll forgive me because I still identify as a man. So those are my first thoughts on it. But whatever you do with a BFF, in whatever way you would do it, that's kind of nice. You've not only gotten some good feedback, new information, you've learned something, you've seen yourself relatively so from a very objective, clean read sort of perspective. But now you've gained a friend. And they may or may not, you may or may not allow them to continue to step into more objective sort of aspects within the relationship, or at least perspectives within the relationship. But they truly are a friend forever. <laughs> and, and even if they don't, we all need people who are going to love us with genuine positive regard unconditionally. I don't hold people to conditions within the role of my professional role of psychological counselor, but I do apply conditions. If you keep doing this thing that's not good for you, you're probably not going to get better. I just need to tell you that. Let's not make it personal. Let's just keep it objective. And that's really the basis of coming here. And if you really don't want to go there yet, that's okay. Let's just disclose that so that you'll know. And then maybe at some point in the future, should you get back around to it, or maybe as the problem persists, you're ready to do something a little different with it in the future, come back and see me. And if you don't want to come see me, go see somebody else. Just don't repeat that cycle to this extent. That you're good at maybe even a priori, not eliminating the hope or the possibility you might get something and preempting you from going in in the first place, but just don't keep stopping at the same place. Let it move a bit into relationship dynamic as with friend and friendly. Put it that way. That's the best way to say it. Friendly. So that you can really get maximum benefit. And then support, sponsorship over a longer or as long a period of time as necessary to sustain or develop a pattern, a routine, a way taking on character and virtue, becoming part of your identity, no longer failure now. (laughs) But I can be successful at this. Whatever time it takes for that to get established. That's what I hope to do with the podcast is continue to offer that level of support. And obviously we can't be too friendly via the podcast. But it's the same thing in the counseling session, the psychological counseling session. It's going to look the same. I don't know that that really helps. All those of you who might want to call me a priori to find out what I'm really like, listen to the podcast. You'll know. That's why I do in part the podcast. But if I can't ever get a chance to work with you in that kind of direct one-on-one or even as a family, come see me sort of way, at least the podcast offers some of the same. It's just, instead of you being singular, it's you being plural. Hopefully, there's a lot of yous out there who are catching this, and I'm helping. If you should want to reach out to me, I post the email address, thewordhouseatfrontier.com, on whatever the platform is that you get the podcast from. Uh, You can call me, 304-523-WORD. W-O-R-D, isn't that clever? 9673. Uh, You can go to www.thewordhouse.com, find out a little bit more about me, but come back to the podcast. Tell your friends and neighbors. If you should say, well, there's this fella that maybe you want to reach out to. And should you not be in the same (laughs) geographical, regional, 
sort of area with me, uh, I can send you or help you find somebody. Best place to go, truly, though, is Psychology Today. They have a directory of providers. Uh, I'm sure there's one in your hometown that <laughs> you can go to as well. But I want you to come back to the podcast if you get something good from it. And with that in mind, I want to wish you not only good health, but good behavioral health. And until the next time we get a chance to talk, thanks.